0: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton, Greg White, and Constantine Limbrock is here with you on Supply Chain. I Welcome to today's live stream. Greg, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well.
1: I'm glad there's three of us here. That just makes it that much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> I am too, and I like that shirt by the way. Thank hey, you. Can you see the spots? Yeah. Yeah, it looks
0: great. Not man. supposed to
1: wear this kind of thing on the air, people. Don't don't risk it.
2: <laughs> Dino, how you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I think we, Greg and I, planned the white. I guess. I don't yeah. Know if that was something. Yeah. You can't wear white after Labor Day, but we didn't. He get the memo. Oh uh, man. But I'm good.
0: I'm okay. good. I, I I I'm good. You're not going to issue any citations if we do elect to wear white the wrong time of the year, are you, Constantine?
2: I I won't, but somebody else might. <laughs> okay. I think it's just
1: <laughs> shoes, right? Isn't it just? shoes you can't wear white shoes after? i don't know the etiquette I, don't know. I, I would love for somebody to clue us into that obviously we are not three fashion consultants so no.
2: <laughs> well i'm heading to florida tomorrow so i'm just going to keep wearing whatever colors i want flip flops man that's all you need yeah, in whatever.
1: florida
2: we'll celebrate
0: margaritaville with the you know <laughs> yeah i like that with game the, plan airheads. and, and, mm. and by the way, Catherine and Amanda, behind the scenes, uh, big thanks for all they do to help things go. Catherine says it's shoes and pants. You can't mm. wear white shoes and pants after late Okay, Day. very good. Okay, we got that down. Right. All right, so we're going to say hello to a few folks in just a minute. We've got a big show, uh, jam-up show here today. I uh, got a lot to work through, but, but first, Greg and Constantine, y'all know where yeah. we like to start, right? Uh, we'd like to start with sharing some resources because, hey, this is the Supply Chain Buzz, a live show that comes at you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. We've got a ton of news and developments ag- across global business uh, today to work through. And, hey, you're going to hear from Greg. You're going to hear from me and Dino. But we want to hear from you. Give us your take as we work through these these um, topics. And if you're listening to the podcast replay, you ought to consider joining us live on LinkedIn, YouTube, or one of your other social media channels, if you're choosing, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, so resources, the long-promised Greg and Mm -hmm. Dino resources. I'll tell you, we had a great, with that said, that we dropped over the weekend, and we focused on one of our all-time favorites and legends, and really not just in global supply chain, but global business, and that is Sandra McQuillan. So uh, Greg and Constantine, as y'all both know, we lost Sandra way too early at 56 years old after a long battle uh, of cancer, but she has kicked a massive dent in the universe. And Greg, we featured in, in this edition of With That Said, we featured one of our favorite conversations, which ended up being a really a master class in, in le- leadership. Greg, your, th- your quick thoughts.
1: Uh, it's a little too soon, but uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I just... The, you know, she was all inclusive of everything and everyone. And I just think that was what was so powerful about her. She, I think her famous quote was wherever you're from or whatever you do or whoever you are, if you are uh, into supply chain, come on down. Mm. Right. Mm. So, um, yeah, and I, that was fully her spirit. So, um, but also just a fantastic leader. Uh, um, and, Uh, I would say inspirational speaker though. It wasn't like that was her goal, right? It was just who she was. Right.
0: Well said Constantine. Uh, I'm not sure if you ever met Sandra but you've been around leaders like that. Your thoughts.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously representing, uh, women in leadership roles at Mondelez is an incredible, uh, output and, you know, uh, the fact that she lost her battle of cancer, Mm. I can, I can, I can, I, I can help attest to that as a cancer survivor and, mm. you know, we do what we can. We conquer the big C and those of us that came before us, will just remember them and uh, what they get, what they go through to make it better. So mm. that's great that you guys have a fond memory of her.
0: Well said, uh, Constantine. Two, two final thoughts there on uh, the late, great one and only Sandra McQuillan, Greg, and you'll, I think, resonate with both of these. Uh, first off, the last time we spoke with Sandra with, which unfortunately was just uh, about a month and some change before she passed, she was still passionate about driving good change and helping helping make the world a better place, especially in the healthcare space. And, man, that spirit that you were referencing a second ago, Greg, came just shining across the Zoom platform. And then, secondly, uh, I, you know, when the first time I met Sandra in person, man, she was one of these folks that when she enters a room, you know um she had a presence she had such a remarkable presence and, and and usually left the room better than when she entered it so um anyway y'all check out with that said we offered some highlights uh, of one of our favorite conversations we were fortunate to have uh several conversations here uh with uh sandra so y'all check that out uh, and link is in the um the comments Greg and I do want to invite you to join us this Wednesday at 12 in Easter time as we welcome back our friends from Rate Links to dive into three ways a top TMS uh, extends the power of Microsoft Dynamics. So y'all check that out. The link will also be in the comments. OK, so Greg and Constantine, we're going to say hello to a few folks. Uh, and then we've got four big stories to walk through here today on what is a gorgeous here in Atlanta, the Atlanta area, at least. Greg, I think it was. 68 degrees this morning wow uh, as i as i walked ben to my might, might about i might be getting a little, <laughs> a little off but it was cool i grabbed the jacket as i walked ben to the bus stop this morning it was
1: just gorgeous and i think down your neck of the woods is really pretty as well greg 70 degrees on the beach and just the slightest hint of coolness in the air you know it's always humid oh but it's so much less so which is amazing when you have a big giant Lake right next to you to think that it could ever be less humid, but it somehow is. Um, but yeah, so true. Yeah. Almost had to wear socks on my weekly <laughs> or my morning run today. <laughs> yeah. And Dino up in the Chicago
0: area, is it nice and crisp yet? Oh yeah, it is at, uh, five When I did
2: my workout, it was 56 degrees, but nice. it's going to be in the early, low 70. So it's very, very dry. We had a huge rainstorm last yesterday. It was raining all day. But this weather is beautiful. It's like it is.
0: Yeah. Next uh, uh early fall and early spring, two of the best times in on the planet in the Southeast at least. Um, okay. We got a bunch of folks here with us today. And we may not be able to hit everybody, but I want to say hello, Greg and Constantine. De course, Josh Goody from Seattle is back with us. Happy Monday, everyone. May the caffeine hit your system before the software update headaches. Start. Oh, we're all getting sounds like go. somebody
1: that may have gotten a software
0: update today. <laughs> That's right, something like that. Uh, hey, moms, yeah. Leah Luton, the pride of Aiken, South Carolina. She says, Hi, "Hey, Constantine, uh, great to see you, Mom. Love you." Uh, Walid from Bangladesh is here via LinkedIn. Great to see you, uh, uh, Azuka from Frisco, Texas. It is so great to have you back, Greg. You remember when me and you and Jenny. Uh, we're able to sit down and have a conversation yeah. with Azuka long, too long ago. We're going to have you back Seems like a long time ago. Yeah. Hopefully Frisco is nice this time of year as well. Let's see here. Belinda is with us. Great to see you. Uh, gift from South Africa via LinkedIn. Wonderful to see. you. love your name as well. Emmanuel from Nigeria is with us here today. Welcome. Welcome. Steve, Natalie, uh, a couple hidden users. And finally, uh, Abda from Algeria via LinkedIn. Great to have y'all here. Okay, Greg and Constantine, man, we got so much work to get into today. Y'all ready to dive in? Let's do it. All right. Yep. So let's start with our first story here. And y'all know where y'all probably know where we're going to be starting. Uh, first story is the labor strikes at Ford, GM, and Stellantis roll right into a new week. Uh, here reported by CNN Business, the United Auto Workers contract covered about 145,000 union members at the three automotive companies expired last Thursday at midnight. Most everyone knows that. Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis, did you know, make up about 40% of the United States auto market. And so far, just under 13,000 workers have begun strikes at three targeted facilities. A GM plant in Wentzill, I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, Missouri. Ford plant in Wayne, Michigan, and a Stellantis plant in Toledo, Ohio. I always think of Holy Toledo from the old Batman series when I see Toledo. (laughs) Uh, Of course, these targeted strikes have a ripple effect across each automaker's supply chain, creating plenty of other challenges. Talks were set to resume yesterday, uh, and to other points, uh, as of just about an hour ago, the UAW has rejected the latest labor offer. And as many of you may know, this is the first time that UAW has gone on strike against three automakers all at the same time. Now, Greg, your thoughts on uh, the situation here?
1: Uh, I forgot that yet another company owns Chrysler. So for people who knows that, that is Stellantis. I think that's a division of Fiat. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember the old joke, Dino? Um, How do you say Daimler, Chrysler in German? The Chrysler is silent. Um, that's what all my German friends, <laughs> well, the Fiat I know is fix it, fix it again,
2: Tony. So I don't an- another know. <laughs> symptom
1: of one of the most classically, most poorly run automotive makers on the planet, um, mm-hmm. is that they've been acquired yet again and are in trouble with their unions uh, along with the other makers. This is a really coordinated, I don't know what else to call it, but an attack to try and force the automakers to make dramatic, Concessions the UAW is asking for upwards of thirty six percent increase over the next. I'm sorry, I forgot the time frame. Four years, oh, for four years. Taken. There you go. Yeah. Um, so that's a substantial increase. Their argument being, well, I'll let, I'll let Dino take that, but they feel like they are being undercompensated relative to other members of the organization. The difference, just well, let's get into that later. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they, look, they don't have bad reason to do this. I just think they have bad timing on mm. this because, yeah. um, it's, it's a challenging time because, uh, we, well, these are still makers of fossil fuel vehicles, um, in companies that are struggling to come into the new age of automotive technology. So it's, Uh, It's a dangerous ploy. I I think maybe they're just trying to get while the getting's good in Mm -hmm. case, Mm -hmm. you know, in case moving to EVs breaks the back of these old-fashioned automakers.
0: That's right. And and, and in particular, GM, of course, has particularly struggled with launching and ramping up their EV uh, vehicle portfolio. Constantine, your thoughts? Well, I I think you were intimating
2: at this, Greg, and I thought I'll just bring up the statistic of what they're what they're they're fighting about. I guess they said in the article itself, they talked about, I think between 1979 and 2022, inflation adjusted annual wages of the top one percent of workers rose 145%, while the average it uh, says here annual wages of the bottom 90% rose only 16%, about a tenth as fast. And so their their point is is that, and this is according to the Economic Policy Institute. Hmm. And so their their point is, is that we need to increase their wages of these workers so that to be more commensurate with the sea level where their wages have gone up much faster and much higher. So I think that's the basis.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So we'll see, as we mentioned, as Constantine brought to us, uh, Greg in the green room, just before we went live, the latest deal has been rejected and Constantine, I think that latest deal was 21%. It was the latest offer from uh, the automakers?
2: Yeah, the counter I think from the automakers was t-
0: a twenty-one
2: percent, and they turned that down.
1: I mean, I think this is—I think it's all good for the workers. i can I can't—I don't know. I mean, it's really hard because the labor burden is so heavy for these automakers because they also, because of the union, have had to employ people that they really don't need and have mm-hmm. to had to eschew automation, kind of like the writer mm-hmm. strike. Mm-hmm. Um, they've mm-hmm. had to eschew automation, um, because they're employing people that could probably should, and probably should long ago have been replaced by automation. It's a huge burden for them. And I mean, I think it's real, we're really at danger of a break in the backs of these automotive makers. And, mm. <clears throat> um, it's one of the reasons why reshoring is challenging. I mean, we talk a lot about reshoring efforts, but reshoring has mostly manifested itself not in the United States, but in particularly Mexico, but Mm -hmm. other USMCA countries, which there's only two, so I bet you can guess where. (laughs) Uh, Excellent
0: point. Excellent point. Hey, uh, I got to revisit something that, uh, Greg, I think uh, we didn't – I want to make sure it gets full uh, spotlight. So, Tony, you mentioned what the fiat – name stands for a second ago but i'm not sure if greg and i heard you what was that again
2: so oh so so when i brought it up so fiat uh stood for at least for, in chicago i'm sure it was a wider <laughs> it said fix it again tony is what it was <laughs> sure. it again, <laughs> because yes. you know hey hey, senor hey, yeah. hey, hey, no <laughs> i need to fix a car again well oh. and again you know they had their issues because again trying to con you know compensate for the north american market where you know, these things wouldn't survive. But the thing I never understood is the T in the Fabrica Automata Italia Torino, Terrain, mm-hmm. Turin is where these things are made. So, I mean, you would think in Northern Italy, they'd be able to handle the winter. Right.
1: So, man, I, well, uh, you know, some of these old European makers, they can overcome about any advantage. Mm. I mean, <laughs> English automobiles still have terrible electrical systems and leak oil. So yeah. I mean, how long have they yeah. been making cars? Over a century. You'd think. And I apologize for
2: butchering the, the Italian language. I got the Torino part, and I got the Fabico, but the other two, I think Aldobili. Some somebody in Italy, please help us out.
1: Okay. <laughs> I think you did a great job, and as you're a very close neighbor and historical yes, uh, participant in society, right, there, we'll, we'll take that. I think you've got you've got the right. To dip That's in. okay
0: <laughs> hey uh a lot of good stuff and this is just the first the first development we're covering here today folks want to hear from you give us your take on these situations and where do you think we go from here uh but let's move along to the next story this is a I think this is a fascinating um uh dynamic here in 2012 mm. really it's been for for years now right mm-hmm. uh, and this second story is reported by our friends at the Wall Street journal we're going to move our focus from North America. To India, which is making big, big investments in its infrastructure as it competes more and more with China for the world's manufacturing needs. In fact, did you know this, folks? Foreign investment in India hit fifty billion dollars in 2022, more than double what it was in 20 in 2012, just 10 years prior. New roads and improved transit system and expanded nail, uh, rail, not rail network, rail network. Probably got. Energy infrastructure enhancements and a whole bunch more. Get this in 2013, India had 49,000 miles of national highways. Now, with all this flurry of activity, India now has over 90,000 miles of national highways. And the country can also tout that it has more miles of electrified railway than France or the United Kingdom. Ton of activity going on in India. Uh, So Dino, in this case, I want to start with you. Give us your thoughts on what uh, the Indian government and uh, market is up to.
2: Well, I mean, I think we've traditionally, even on some of these uh, podcasts, we've talked about where there's always been traditional challenge in India with infrastructure, trying to get foreign direct investment people to invest in manufacturing. But because of what's going on with the shift from China, this is a huge impetus. I think we know in the article, too, that some of the disruption, particularly in this region in Mumbai, that was the issue was with the states that were not getting along. And I did some statistics on looking at comparing China and India. And if you look at the countries themselves, there's 22 official languages in China across 28 states. Now, we know that Mandarin is the main language in India. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Twenty two official languages in India and 28 states in India. It, in China, there's 13 languages and 23 Uh, regions, including autonomous regions. And so they're similar in the makeup and the challenge of languages, but China's always had that infrastructure down. So I think they're really ramping this up and trying to become this global trendsetter. They just had an announcement with the whole issue in space, right? They landed on the moon. They've made their presence known. And I think this is just even more effort that's just pushing the envelope to say, look, we need to now Improve our infrastructure because we've got a lot of smart people. Let's do this and become a a, a leader. Uh, mm. And I think that's
0: what this represents. Um, love it, Uh, Constantine. I love the other mention, the moon mission. I thought was fascinating. But Greg, get, let's give your thoughts on what's going on in India.
1: I think this is really important for the United States, particularly, but I think other other places that have no choice but to import a, a large portion of their goods because they either have too old, as they do in Europe, to small as they do in europe or too expensive of a workforce um which they have in all in of course europe and the united states and many many developed countries right so i think this is really important for us because as you know i believe china can't be trusted and it's inevitable that one of these two countries will become the next the next world superpower us is on the decline and uh, or approaching decline but we would all much rather have India than China become the next world superpower, right? We can trust India, right? Uh, the the government of India, right? Of mm. course, it's, this has so little to do with the people of any of those countries because we've got a ton of Chinese and a ton of Indian people here in the States, and they're all great. It's just mm. the government mm. is um, so dangerous in China.
0: Mm. Agreed. <laughs> So let me ask you all this, what, uh, out of all of the different pieces of infrastructure that I mentioned, and of course, what we found, uh, uh in the report, what do y'all think is, uh, one of the most intriguing aspects of where they're investing their, their dollars?
1: I think the, the one that, that stuck out to me was, uh, the freight rail where now it's 14 days to get between destinations mm. and they want it to become 14 hours. Yes. Right. That is a dramatic mm. increase, right? That is just incredible. Mm. Has any, have either of you been to India or both of you? No, I have not never yet. Been. So they have a ton of three lane roads and they described this in the article. It's just that the cars are six lanes wide, plus all the mini bikes, mosquitoes, they call them in the, far, in in the <sighs> far East, but um, all the mini bikes and, and um, mopeds and whatnot um, in there just kind of weaving in. And it's just constant hon- honking. The roads are crumbling. So they're, they're starting to use better material, more um, longer-lasting materials. Okay. And to identify where those traffic patterns, they're building that one roadway all the way up the coast, which will be critical for moving people and goods mm. uh, yeah. around the country
2: and so. it is it is the largest city in india right i mean it's mumbai. it's been the traditional so it was bombay that changed right. to mumbai i think in, in 1995 yeah and i think the key there too is that it's that gateway to the world it always has been if you look at the tr- the trade routes from way back it was always in that western part of india right even where goa south in india where all these trade routes so with the increase of trade and what's going on in the middle east that's only going to become more important mm. and i think there's a reason why that you know this it was you know it's, it's a grouping of islands it's very similar i think to like hong kong right where you get these this grouping of islands so given that and the infrastructure and it's the largest city in india it makes all the sense in the world for them to invest in this well
1: the key is the the national government bringing together the states because the states mm. many of the states have had their own initiatives. Kerala, which is down in the Southern part is, has, has been trying to build themselves as a technical technology hub mm-hmm. for a while. Bangalore already is Pune already is. Um, and there are a number of other areas where they've all had their sort of, it'd be like all the States trying mm-hmm. to become the power of the United States to mm. be, you know, to pull New York and, and you know texas and you know and for ranching and kansas and whatnot for farming all into one state they've all mm. tried to do that and it's just not feasible to do that so having a unified initiative here is critical
2: and the regional differences and those languages yes. that i brought up that's right. the thing that we forget in the u.s is that we expand it even though we have a lot of different cultures here we for the more for the for this lack of anything we could say we have one common language well historically there they've had all these different cultures that have different regional emphasis and so there's obviously competition so these are united under one country keep but to your point then greg the fact that it's the largest democracy in the world right that gives us a betterment i love that
0: uh so folks if i can point out two items first off if you ever think Greg White misses a thing, he reminds you again he does miss nothing. I love that fourteen hour or fourteen days of fourteen hours uh, blurb there, Greg. I
1: know you guys saw it too. I just uh, that eagle-eyed. was just what jumped out at me, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's dramatic. It is. Uh, and then secondly, Constantine, I love how you weave history into your supply chain perspective. It's always uh, it's always really interesting for a big history nerd like myself. Now, one of the things y'all mentioned. Uh or, or kind of we're we're kind of speaking to a little bit, Larry points out. Larry, great to have you back from Albany. Albany. I always get it wrong. Albany, Georgia. Uh Larry says Americans need to learn how to work together like the rest of the world has. We got some we got some heavy lifting to do there, uh for sure. LK. All right. So, folks, uh again, don't take our word for it. You can check out the read. The great read uh via our friends at the Wall Quick Street read. Journal. Quick read, yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. <laughs> um, all right, speaking of resources. We have got two outs. We got lots of, for that matter, lots of live, wonderful live programming coming up. But two of them in particular, next two live webinars, September twenty first, we're gonna be talking with our friends from Freight, unlocking the power of diversification in last mile delivery. Greg,
1: everybody is struggling with last mile, huh? Struggling or, uh, or, yeah, opportunistically succeeding, and whichever it is, it's a great It's a great opportunity to learn more about it. And as we've learned, Scott, all great tech companies must misspell their (laughs) name—Great F R -R A Y T, right? So I'm happy that that these guys have continued that tradition. (laughs) I am too. Anything to get the root domain. That's—I mean, this is seriously, you know, one of the things as an investor, you think get a root domain, whatever it takes.
0: Love that. And you know what? We've enjoyed some of our conversations already with Luke from Freight, Pat from Estes, and Bart, yep. uh, who's got a big repu- a big name, doing big things out in the industry for quite some time. So y'all join us on the 21st at 12 noon. The link to register, I think, is in the chat. And then Dino, we're going to pull you back. Uh, I look forward to our next conversation uh, with me and Dino and our friends at Supply Pike. So, folks, I'll tell you, as Greg and I have talked here before, if you can work successfully at Walmart, I would venture to, I, I'd, I'd submit to you can probably work successfully with a lot of companies out there. So we've got Stacy and Eric joining us on the 26th of September, three proven strategies to level up your business with Walmart. Dino it should be a great session, huh?
2: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's its going to be very interesting because of their approach, right? You and I have talked about this and prepping. It's, it's, a, it's an
1: a. We've got to get new your new look uh, headshot in there. It, <laughs> That'll fade. We'll, we'll shave this again. It's just, rotating.
0: just got to keep man. it interesting. <laughs> it's every couple weeks, every couple weeks. You got to protect your edge. It gives you that.
1: You know, he's like Travis Kelsey. He's always changing the look, always keeping it fresh.
0: <laughs> always keeping it fresh. Okay. And again, folks, we dropped the links to both of those sessions. They're free to attend, but you got to register. So we got the first one there. Uh, unlocking the power of diversification and last mile delivery, and and then we've got the three proven strategies for leveling up your business with Wally World. Um, okay, Greg <laughs> and Constantine, I had not heard that phrase in a long time. You know, Wally World. Um, all right, we've got to get into a um, uh, a serious topic that we have talked about countless times, right, over the last few years. Uh, so in our third story today, want to examine one of the reasons. Why global companies are moving production out of China to what Greg and Dino, what we're all talking about a second ago. So as reported by Supply Chain Dive, some $1.7 billion of goods in total have been detained by the U.S. government due to forced labor concerns. Now, some have been detained and then released. uh, Just to point that out, the action comes, though, via the Uyghur uh, Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, UFLPA. It's a mouthful. Yes, Mm -hmm. which was signed into law in December 2021 and became effective in June 2022. Mm -hmm. Uh, Overall, as of July 2023, 5,059 shipments have been detained by the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency. Now, the majority of these shipments, Greg and Dino, came from Malaysia, Vietnam, and China, but 36% of the total were shipments directly from China. And as uh, I want to make sure we keep this front uh, front and center for folks, the U S department of labor has accused China of detaining more than 1 million Uyghur people subjecting them to forced labor amongst other things. Okay, Greg, uh, I know this, uh, we were talking about China and the Chinese government a minute ago, but your thoughts here around uh, the early results thus far.
1: Yeah. Well, good on the U S CBP, uh, First of all, I mean, this is this is a big enforcement initiative against, as we all know, a powerful and not friendly mm. um, country. So I'm glad they had the intestinal fortitude to actually do it. You know, we've had many sort of trade restrictions that have not been enforced, and um, this one's way too important for that. Mm. Uh, and you know we've been talking about this for a long time. Uh, we're not unique here. In fact, Germany has gotten uh, very aggressive with their um, with their initiative around trying to alleviate somehow alleviate forced labor. Let's just call it what it is: slavery in mm. in this um, Xinjiang province where the Uyghurs are. Um, so I'm I'm impressed by the. <laughs> The numbers, and uh, I think it's it's opened the eyes of a lot of shippers who probably didn't know where their goods actually came from, and now now do because it's you know that's from tiers of vendors, and you get far enough away from, you know, I'm not saying Walmart has these vendors, but just as an example, a big retailer, then they've got say Procter and Gamble, and then you just keep going down the line to all the sub vendors that accumulate the the raw materials and create the products. A retailer may not even know, or or even a uh, you know a consumer products company may not even know who assembles all this stuff because they're a vendor of a vendor of a vendor of a vendor. So it's good opportunity to expose that to give companies the opportunity to do the right thing in the right way, and hopefully to turn China uh, the right way. Although the truth is, those goods are sold, and China's already made their money once they've hit the mm. hit the docks. So. Hopefully companies are learning from this and starting to redirect those goods. I think this ties right into the discussion about India, where Mm. these kind of goods can be made in a more ethical way.
2: Yeah.
1: Dino, your thoughts here.
2: Well, I mean, we had talked about this back in I think it was November last year, and where I butchered the name Uyghur and it was Uyghur, but (laughs) we go from there uh you know it's translated uh i i think it's really interesting to see again the progression of this law it's it to me it's a context of both the economic aspect and clearly a political one because you know there's other regions in the world too where it just doesn't get this quite attention because right. it might be not china i mean you had for years you've had this uh, conflict minerals you don't really hear much about that, but it is something that's critical because of the rare earth stuff that's being extracted from Congo. But I think it is to Greg's point, you know, is it, something to be lauded that again, we're trying to do something to prevent uh, and to show to the world that this is important and we're going to try to hit you economically. The challenge I still think is though with the, with the big providers, the big players in China that have these close relationships with these Chinese suppliers. That, becomes, that can become a challenge because of how to redirect. Uh, and then I think even if you look at the percentage that was actually kept, if you look at the 22, 2022 numbers, it said that 1,127 shipments were denied and then 1,082 were later released. So the actual ones that were kept was less, less, less than 2%. And then understanding, again, how the more this is enforced, what – the companies in china are going to do to try to rearrange which is obviously why things like you know vietnam are coming up because mm. we had talked about this where they're trying to shift and so i think it goes really just then going back down to the due diligence and the technologies that you have to be able to well, track I think what's important to
1: understand about this regulation guys is that you are guilty until proven innocent in this case which is a d- distinctive shift right it is presumed mm. that if xinjiang is anywhere in the manifest that it was made by slaves and use unless you can definitively prove that it was not. Mm-hmm. So I think putting the, uh, the burden back on the shipper, back on the vendor, back on the cargo company, whatever, um, is a really important tactic, right? To eliminate plausible deniability. If we want good things to happen, we have to eliminate plausible den- deniability from the evil doers in the world.
0: Mm. Well said, uh, Greg, very well said, um, all right. Well, we're going to keep our finger on the pulse. Uh, I appreciate uh, the great work that Supply Chain Dive does. Uh, one of the greatest, I mean, if you're looking for great resources, by the way, folks, Supply Chain Dive and its family of uh, different um, sites is certainly one of our team's uh, favorites. So check that out. But $1.7 with a B in shipments have been detained thus far in just the first year of uh, the act being law. Okay, moving right along. Uh, Greg and Dino, man, we are moving at the, y- y'all have somewhere to go at one o'clock. Cause we are, <laughs> we are moving fast. Well, we can stretch it today. out today.
1: You want to go back to that previous topic? No, nah, we're,
0: hey, we're good. Uh, and, and, and plus I mentioned Greg, uh, I mentioned the green room. I don't have my fire extinguisher handy, so if we keep – I'm worried about uh, (laughs) the really hot takes that might still be to come uh, with anything.
1: If we we keep talking about conflict minerals, one of us is going to get disappeared, so Mm -hmm. I'd prefer to move on. We're going to keep driving then.
0: (laughs) We're going to keep driving. Uh, in this this super efficient uh, edition of the Supply Chain Buzz comes to you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time, and we are – live. All right. So Constantine and Greg, this is an interesting. So we got more time for this last story. Uh cuz I think this may for a few folks out there, I think it may surprise them. And we've got uh between Greg and and Dino, we've got some a good experience to draw on here, especially in the technology space. So, we're talking artificial intelligence, AI. You can't ah, have right. a conversation these days without feels like mentioning that. But in particular, its ability to help companies go greener. However, as reported here by the Wall Street Journal, while doing so, AI may be guzzling up copious amounts of energy like your uncle Larry's 1971 Cadillac Eldorado. Now I don't know if they made an Eldorado in 1971, but you know, you know the image I'm trying, a long boat of a car that got about I don't know 7 miles to the gallon.
2: So, pretty sure they did. I'm sure the Eldorado <laughs> was a night I'm sure they
1: <laughs> I know they made a 71 Oldsmobile Toronado, which was another one of those kind of cars.
0: Okay. So, yes. Well, you know, I've always wanted that Boss Hog car. I think it'd be a lot of fun to have that long white convertible. I, I think that was a Cadillac that he drove around the mm. the, um, the dirt roads of, of uh, fake Hazard County, Georgia. But that anyway. wasn't Eldorado. Yeah, that was an Eldorado. It
2: was? Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. It's a two-door. I think the Eldorado was the two-door, right?
1: Right. Two-door and that front-wheel door- door- drive with a convertible. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, but there it was on the same chassis as the Tornado, I think. Oh gosh. There's useless information for you, people. I'm so sorry. <laughs> this folks, this is why
0: for the 1729th time, I'm reminding myself, watch your car analogies with car folks. Uh, so <laughs> Greg <laughs> and Constantine. All right. So uh, uh, let's let's get into this this article then. So Constantine, tell us more about your take here on these uh, energy-guzzling data centers that fuel uh, AI solutions left and right?
2: Well, I I think the bottom line of the the article is basically saying so much investment's going on into the AI that because of the amount of computing that's happening and going on, it's requiring a lot of energy, especially with this increased investment in things like ChatGPT, which is this next-generation AI And I think one of the main things that's really interesting is, is that there's a lot of inefficiencies that are occurring as a result of the types of ways that people are approaching this. Because we're in such early stages, it's kind of like we're trying to reinvent the wheel every single time they're going through these computations. And so one of the main conclusions that I think is clear here is that we can reduce the amount of energy that we're using simply based on the way that we're going about trying to use these, use the new AI technologies in terms of even looking at existing models or looking at other data sets and trying to figure out ways to improve the efficiencies um, and the usage of these without trying to reinvent the wheel every single time when we're trying to rebuild these models that everyone's using. And I think that's, that's a really simplified version of what they're trying to say, but I think it, it's parallel to what was going on with this blockchain servers when they're mining this Bitcoin. It's really com. Think about it. If you're thinking about the computations that are happening simultaneously mm. and the amount of heat that is generated, that creates obviously an impact. And that's what they're trying to say is let's just be aware until we come up with a better way uh, of, of, of comp- computing and using computer science to, Look at how we can leverage uh, the use of AI, and again, it's early generation. So this is, I think, the main point that they were trying to
0: make. Well, well said. You don't want to. How's the old phrase go? You don't want to rob Peter to pay Paul, or something like that. Yeah, that's right. You're over investing, and at the end of the day, you're not moving the needle at all. But Greg, your thoughts on uh, on uh, energy guzzling AI?
1: Yeah. Well, it's a problem today, just like just like uh, Bitcoin mining or whatever. All these mining. Um, all this mining that's being done. Um, and, but the good news is I happen to know this firsthand. The good news is it's not, I wouldn't say easily, but it is easily impact, uh, impacted, probably less easily, but still, I think not overwhelmingly difficult to, to change the algorithms in the AI for it, in particular, so that they are less, uh, what did we call it? Guzzling. Yeah less energy guzzling yeah energy guzzling yes yeah i always think gas when i think gas (laughs) or think of guzzling right um so uh and i know companies that are doing it so uh there's hope there and people are already trying to to solve it and guess why because you use less energy or fewer servers you pay less money for energy and servers so it all, as always, comes back to economics. So yeah. when you're making sixty thousand or thirty thousand dollars a Bitcoin, you can afford to waste energy. And of course, if you know you're just a gold miner, um, you know you'll spend any amount on shovels and hammers and whatnot. Just like Levi Strauss made his fortune <laughs> by selling jeans, much more than most gold miners ever made during the gold rush. Mm. So. Um, you know if if you are doing something that gives you a relatively smaller economic benefit than sixty thousand dollars for one coin you're going to have to be cost efficient that cost efficiency will drive energy efficiency and that Mm. is the key Mm. is moaning and wailing does not cause energy efficiency to happen economic opportunity or cost is what causes inefficiency, inefficiency, energy efficiency sorry, to happen. And we just have to know that if we want to motivate people to do that, we have to identify for them how it is to their benefit to do so.
0: Yes. Well said, man. Uh, let's bring in this perspective here. So Andre over on YouTube, folks, that's the easy way to plug into our content here. Not only is Andre a big fan of the Eldorado, he keeps it simple too. Eldorado, El good car. But, hey Scott, yeah.
1: can I? I want to acknowledge um, uh, your brilliance here. The Eldorado Cadillac Fleetwood Eldorado. Yeah. Production, 1952 to 2002. Fifty years of wow. production of that car. Not always front wheel drive, of course, but um, not you know not exactly the one you're thinking of. But man, the example picture on Wikipedia is yeah. a beautiful '59 Eldorado with the kind of Batmobile look.
0: Mm,
1: offense, uh, El Dorado, yeah. sorry. In Kansas, we call it El Dorado. So it's El Dorado. <laughs> that's
0: true. I'd love to get one. I, I, I wish that uh, I was better at maintaining engines and knowing what part and this and that was. And that's always kept me. Plus, I think uh, the prices of these, these old classic vehicles have gone up along with the spare parts to keep them running. Yeah. So thank you, Greg, for that uh, factoid. I will to get back to Andre. He, says, he or she says, why not use AI to gener- generate models that use less energy? Just a thought. So
1: I think they talk about that a little bit in the article. So yep. we should, uh, we, did we post the article? We sure did. Andre, I think you'll be encouraged to read that that's exactly what people are doing. So good thought, man. Maybe he should be like, do. maybe he does do this. Who knows?
0: Who knows? Mm.
1: Uh,
0: all right. So Constantine, I feel like you, you want to get one more uh, thought in there before I, I kind of take us.
2: Well, I mean, there was an article that was also posted, I think, in July uh, of this year by uh, uh, Harvard Business Review that talked about this problem, and they they called out eight steps that you can take because they know that this is an issue, and here are just some of them: using existing generative models, use energy conserving computational models, use a large model only when it offers significant value. Right. You know, there's a sufficiency concept of don't 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 try to you know go go hog wild and go crazy on all this. If you really only need a certain portion to generate, you know, for AI to run, and I think as we as things get better and because uh, necessity is the mother of invention, as we all know, there's scientists that are out there that we know that are working on different ways that semiconductors can generate uh, leverage just energy. So if we think about energy, energy is in the form of electricity, but it's also in heat. And so they're saying other forms of ways of powering these computers might be in the form of, uh, of heat mm. and, and even some of these other approaches of, of, of computation where they might even try to figure out seasonality, where they're trying to go to cooler, cooler locations, because I went, one of the comments, I think in the article talked about that some of these, uh, serve this, uh, server farms are in hot climates. Mm. And so. Well, how about you go to a cooler climate when you're running these machines so that, therefore, you're not using as much energy, right? Think about heat creating heat in a hot environment. That, right. That's very inefficient. And so there's, those are some of the things that I think we're going to get better at over time, particularly as we figure out the usage of AI and how we want to use it and not just assume everybody needs to use it the same way
0: you know, maybe uh, I was in Boston last week meeting with some dear friends and I saw a sign. I didn't get a chance to Google this yet. I saw a sign that said it was against Massachusetts state law to let your engine idle more than like 10 minutes. I think 10 minutes was the figure. I'd never seen anything like that. So maybe uh, if that's true, maybe if you're not using your AI, your gen AI product, you got to shut it down, folks. You got to shut it down. Help the energy infrastructure. I don't know. Uh, speaking, though. Uh, and by the way, uh, the article that Constantine just mentioned, Catherine Amanda, if we can drop that, I think that is a Harvard Business Review article and they have, they have they have a bunch of great reads. You know, this, this image here, I think this, this is probably Greg, where do you think it's from? Like a server farm or something like that? Silicon Valley. I don't know. Or, yeah, or yeah. Silicon yeah Valley. it is. Okay. That's
1: from a server farm. Yeah. All right.
0: Good, good. I got to check with the tech guru before I say this, but here in Georgia, I remember reading, I think via the Atlanta Journal-Constitution a couple of years back when, uh, the state of Georgia won a big Facebook server farm. I think it's out in Newton County uh, around the corner. Um, and I m- remember reading, I couldn't find the article this morning, but I remember reading that once that thing went operational, it became one of the biggest energy users in all the states. So I'm sure Georgia power our friends over there were very happy with the extension or the, uh, the expansion. Um, all right. One other point, one other point folks were, you know, folks, if, Anything, if you leave here with anything other than the brilliance that Greg and Constantine have dropped on us today, take away that we're all about resources, right? We're all about resources. Part of our duty here is to help you navigate each and every day and your teams and your organizations and get more successful. To that end, in that, with that said, that we talked about Greg and Constantine on the front end, Uh, we find a link to it really quick. One of the sections in With That Said, Focused on a a really neat read that we saw, uh, that I saw about the top 50 gen AI products, uh, according to web traffic. (laughs) And it had a top 50 list and all these different products that I, that weren't on my radar. So folks, you can check out that via the, with that said, I think it was the second, uh, the second article that we touched on. I'm going to drop that link right back up here. Uh, you're one click away by checking that out. It was a fascinating list. And you know what, Greg? And Constantine, I'm sure y'all know the answer, my hunch. I'm betting good money on y'all. So if you had to think of building a list of the top 50 Gen AI products based on website traffic as of June 2023, what do you think is number one on the list? Has to be ChatGPT. Uh, ChatGPT. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That but I right. will
2: tell you this. I will tell you this. The other day, I went to go on the ChatGPT, yeah. and they were having problems. So I
0: guess what? I went to Bard, and Bard gave me what I needed. So... It's interesting you mentioned that. I'm pulling up a list. I'm pulling up a list right now, and I'm going to share with you all the top 10, uh, because this might surprise you. Number one, ChatGBT. Number two, Character AI. This is new for me. Bard was number three. Poe was number four. I wonder if that's named after Edgar Allen. Quillbot was number five. Photo Room. Civit AI was number 7 Midjourney, Hugging Face was number nine. And Perplexity rounds out. Uh, number 10. So y'all check that out for the full list. Uh, and with that said, um, all right, so Greg and Constantine, one of the most efficient supply chain buzz episodes ever. We got uh, just a couple, we are through all four stories. We've enjoyed great fellowship with some great comments from uh, a lot of folks that joined us here today. Greg, I'm going to give you, I'll give each of y'all a chance to share your final thought. Your patented. What's one thing that folks got to take away from today's conversation that they got to keep front and center as they leave here. And Greg, I'm going to start with you. What's, what's
1: your one thing, Greg? Oh, the world is changing and that quite rapidly. So stay fleet of foot. Right. And, and uh, I think one of the things you have to be aware of is not to make the mistakes that we've made in the past based Mm on hubris or greed or inattention, negligence, whatever you want to call it. And let's, Make sure that as we are improving the world, we're to as much of an extent as we can be only improving the world, not improving it on the left or right. I shouldn't say left or right, but you know what I mean? Yeah. On this side, I'm, I'm saying the directions for the people who are only listening, not viewing. By the <laughs> way, why are you doing that? You should be doing this on YouTube. You should be listening to this on YouTube. <laughs> um, right? Don't do good over here and damage over here right i think y- you want to be conscious of the repercussions of the things that you're doing as you are advancing the the uh you know what your way the way of the world whatever
0: mm, fleet of foot good phrase and constantine he he also mentioned a good word hubris i don't know about y'all but yes. every time i see the word hubris i always think for some reason that the s is silent so i say it in my mind as hubri <laughs> i don't know why but ever, ever since i was a kid um, all
1: right. So God's more elegant sounding when you say that like is that. The, it,
2: it, isn't it? Uh, it probably is French anyway, because uh, yeah. I think it's a Latin based word, yeah. but I will tell you this, ubri. Uh, I, I think again, change is constant, uh, something that we all know. Um, and, um, the innovations that are happening, I think are always exciting, but uh, what I'm finding is, is that there's a lot of, Similarities of problems that we've solved before. We just have to find a new way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think, case in part with this generative AI, I, saw, I heard a uh, a podcast on. It was the economics. I think it would no. It was on Freakonomics, by the way, which is a great podcast. It's a great podcast. And they were talking about these new jobs that are popping up in basically content generators that are basically guiding the people that are using these generative AI tools and guiding them towards a better way of, of writing so to to your point greg about changing and and we're talking about how you know new things are coming by way of these technologies there's also new opportunities and i think that's something we should always keep in mind how do you look at india now mm. how do you work with technologies that are helping monitor due diligence how are you using generative AI technologies to mm. to do what you do it's not an if it's not an if or an, an and or, or and or but an is not an or, but an and. I think that's something you often say, Saint Scott, and I think that's what this is here too.
0: I got. It. Thank you for the credit, but I think I stole that from Greg. Greg, what do you normally say about the the power of the? Song?
1: Why be a slave to the or when you can have the freedom of the and? Ooh. There you go. I like that. Man, that sounds good. I can't remember who I stole that from, or I would give them credit for.
0: <laughs> uh, let's see here. Catherine in, uh, be, uh, in the back office there confirmed it is hubris. And I figured, Greg's always right, hubris. But I, w- I should add, Andre says, my wife also says hubris. So thank you for making me feel a little better, uh, Andre, and your, uh, your wife too. It
1: probably was some time ago, ubri ah, if you look at it. Because okay. the H is often, as Constantine said, it's often not um, pronounced. An H is often not pronounced at all. Well, yeah
0: okay. that's true we're gonna do a i'm sure constantine will do a edit next time you're on
1: i know you'll know yeah <laughs> that's right all right um, and, and, and i do sometimes need to give we ca- I, I, we have to hash this out since we got a couple extra minutes here okay how come sometimes we we even we call him constantine instead of dino i know i know you don't really have a preference one way or the other but for the for our listeners mm. Mhm. Um, should we take a vote or just kidding. <laughs> what, what do you go by most? For the
2: record, this is all Scott, because he asked me that and he said, do you have a shortened version of your name? And I said, there are many names and many derivatives with the name Constantine, Yeah, uh, Costas or Dino, right. or Tino. and he, he heard the word Dino and that stuck in his head. So that's where this all comes so from. It's though. not even Dino. No, it is Dino. I mean, Dino was one of them. Dean Dean was another that I went growing up. I mean, part of the challenge, if you have a long name like Constantine, in first grade, I wasn't going to go by Constantine, right? I was going to go by some nickname. And that's to your point. But I had to make a decision in my social security. I said, okay, look, am I going to use Constantine going forward professionally or am I going to use some nickname? And a Um, lot of people do change their names officially because it's just too long. But I stuck with it.
0: I like it. It's regal. (laughs) It is regal, it is. and I
1: like it. Uh, so it's okay to use both. You can use both. You okay. have the freedom. And and as Moaz says, also, Kostas is another one that's really Kostas, good. I already yes. have a friend named Kostas, yes. though, so that's... There you go. Right? Mm. So I have to... All
0: of those. All of those are derivatives. All of the things. All of the things. Love it. Well, hey, I really have enjoyed today's episode, Greg and Dino. Had a great conversation. I appreciate, again, all the comments as well that came in from folks uh that are with us here throughout the globe the smartest audience in all of global business greg and constantine there you go all right uh folks it's monday hope y'all have a wonderful week ahead big thanks to greg and constantine for joining us here today for the supply chain buzz live every monday at 12 noon eastern time except on labor day and other uh select holidays uh, but, and big thanks to Catherine and Amanda, behind the scenes, helping to make uh production happen as always. This, this is what I want to close on here today. So I really appreciate Greg and Constantine's Constantine. Did we give you your full key t- takeaway moment? Yeah, we did. Okay. No, making sure. all, all right. Uh, checking my boxes, checking my boxes. Okay. Well, folks, uh, on a more serious note, I want to wrap up today with one of the pieces of brilliance that, um, Sandra McQuillan shared with us, uh, on, on the episode we talked about. And she was in, in this quote, she was talking about the, really and the importance of building really successful interpersonal relationships, right. As people to people, right. And she said this wonderful legendary t ism, I quote, you can be as technically brilliant as you can be, but if you can't make it work with people, then what's the point in quote love that. And that's where we're going to leave it here today, folks. Hey, hopefully you have had a chance to take a nugget from Greg and Constantine, the conversations, and put it in action, right? Deeds, not words. And with that being said, on behalf of all of our team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. Hey, be just like Sandra McQuillan, and the world will be a much better place. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody.
1: Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community.